0: What's up, everybody, we and we welcome to Wrapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer, and every episode I have a guest from the reef-keeping community, and for this episode, I have Kenny Lynn from Pieces of the Ocean, and I'm just adjusting his uh, picture here on the live stream. Kenny, welcome to the show. How you doing,
1: Keith? Thank you for having me, Keith. So glad we uh, got to catch up again, you know. Yeah. I w- I think we were just saying how how how. The hobby, right?
0: Yeah, you you know we
1: were, like, just, uh, 10 uh, we were talking. Ten years. Go ahead. Yeah, like over I think 20, ten years. I. You've been in the hobby longer than I have, right? I think I started in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. And I remember buying my first few SPS frags from you. You had a very th- at that time you had a thriving SPS reef, I remember. And I bought it from your what, Manhattan Reeves, yeah. MR.
0: Yeah, the Manhattan yeah. Reeves frag swap. Yeah. 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 No, I. Um, oh, yeah. You're probably talking about my old 225 um, gallon tank that the SPS dominant tank, and and that thing was just chock full of SPS. So those frag swaps were great. You know, you meet like a lot of people. Like yourself, and and uh, it's great in terms of like trading, selling, or just talking to people. Know, and yeah,
1: definitely allows a re- venue for everyone to meet each other. Trade, trade was big back then, you know, and and buying and selling as well. It's great, yeah,
0: yeah. So you you were a hobbyist back then, and um, we're gonna we're gonna get into pieces of the ocean, P O T O. Do you call it Poto or P O T O? Uh,
1: people call it Poto. Poto.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, no, Kenny was a big time hobbyist and was, uh, you know, just had some kicking tanks and whatnot. And then he uh, he turned pro, you know, after uh, I wouldn't say pro wouldn't say pro. I,
1: I I tell everybody we are all students of the game. We learn something new every day. Um, I'm still learning every day. Just learn something new. That's the great thing about a hobby. You know, you never stop learning. Yeah.
0: Now, you're right. You're always learning, and that's the beauty of it. But, uh, I don't know, Kenny, so, so tell us how you got in, into the hobby. You know, how, did, how did you get
1: involved in reef keeping? I mean, before reef keeping, I had, I had kept other you know, animals. I like animals. I had a freshwater tank. I had a 90-gallon freshwater tank. I was going to do uh, cichlids, freshwater cichlids. But then I, as I started to do some research, I wanted to do like different backgrounds, 3D backgrounds, and things started to get expensive. And then I looked into saltwater. I'm like, well, for a little bit more, I could actually do salt water. And I'm always like, you know, the kind of person that do, the, do things the hard way. What's harder, salt water or cichlids? Salt water, let's do that. So that's how I started, because I, uh, I just came up with a 90 gallon that was Someone's giving away, uh, away a, friend of mine, a friend of mine. So you know, there you go, free tank. That's a that's a big a portion of the cost right there already. So I just went dive right in. You know, um, MR was my first first forum, and you know, read a lot about you know, reef keeping and then just started reading. You know, started reading a lot. You know, and started meeting people, talking to people, uh, starting doing those runs. I'm sure a lot of reefers do like. You late night runs to pick up live rock, late, late night yeah. run to pick up music, mitts, as you know, and just get your stuff together. And, you know, there's your first reef. Um, yeah, that was back in 2008, 2009.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, I kind of got hooked into reef keeping. The first thing I started doing was keeping planted uh, freshwater aquariums. And those are challenging. Well, you know, they're, they're really cool. I heard that. Yeah. And but I never, I never had cichlids, I never went down that path. But um, yeah, keeping a planted tank was, was hard. I, I used to um, really put a lot of tetras in there, and I liked the natural look and feel of the planted tank. And that's kind of like how I got hooked into uh, saltwater reef tanks. That was like the next logical
1: step up, I thought, in terms of a planted tank. But um, yeah, planted tank is huge right now, too. A lot of I heard uh, a couple customers, it's almost like keeping SPS, you know. It's 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 a balance that you gotta keep, and I don't know much about planted tanks, but from what I hear, it's it's pretty huge. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think you gotta use um, CO2 to keep uh, for for the plants to to keep them thriving, and and you're right though. I think it is a um, it's a pretty involved um, you know part in terms of yeah, um, very
1: hands-on, very hands-on, just like reef keeping.
0: Sorry, man, you you were uh, you were a hobbyist and what have you? You got interest in reef keeping, and then um, you you decided to you know, take, it, take a next step and, and turn it into a business. So talk, talk to us, Kenny, about how, you know, you, you uh, made the transition from a hobbyist to a, uh, a business uh, person, even though I'm sure you were st- are still a, uh, a true hobbyist at heart, as you would say, probably, right?
1: Yes. Every day uh, we have to remind each other, don't be a hobbyist. It's, it's one of the common things to say because we always like to hoard the best thing, the nicest coral, we like to hold for ourselves, but if you do that, you don't pay any bills. So <laughs> but going back to your question. Um it's it's not something that happened like overnight from hobbyist to a uh, business owner. I would say it happened over a course of years. Um because uh, I had actually when I was a hobbyist, I like everyone else, I was just spending a lot of money buying corals. And I had to recoup some of my some of my cost, you know, of the all the money I spent. Weaving, so I started selling frags um, and slowly started thinking about the business aspect of it. Like, okay, you know, I see, I see other people turn into a, you know, uh, uh, turn a hobby into a business. But at that time, it was hard because I had a, co- I had a good job. I had a daytime, a day job that that paid well, and you know, um, I did not. I saw that even though. People are selling frags, but doesn't mean, you know, there's money to be made. I didn't feel like at that time there's money to be made. But I just ha- kept selling frags to make my money back for the money I spent in, in the addiction. But slowly as I went along, I, I think a lot of it had to do with my, my personality. Uh, my wife says I'm very extreme um, because anything I want to do, I like to I did like figure out, like, how far how far I could take it, you know. So at the end of the day, I started thinking, you know, uh, as I started to... My job wasn't, uh, you know, um, I didn't feel like this type of uh, satisfaction from my job anymore at that time, and started to look for another way, maybe try this thing out. But it was difficult because, as you as you know, uh, uh, the hobby is is a very high overhead, high labor intensive, and, and, and especially when we're dealing with delicate uh, livestock, and it cannot be more delicate than what we're dealing yeah. with. You know, live corals. Um, and knowing that it was hard for me to really make it like go all the way. Um, but things just started to happen. Um, as I started selling more corals, I started to sell more fish. Um, and looking for the next step, you know, um, I got an opportunity to move. When I had my uh, first child, um, I moved back to uh, my old house. And I saw the basement as an opportunity to expand the operation at that time. So I built out a basement. I actually spent my first month on my uh, paternity leave for my job, <laughs> on building out a basement. And that's when things got really serious. And um, so then I told I, I told myself, you know, if I'm going to do this, I have to have something to show for it. I can't be in a basement forever. You know? um, so I started to, to talk to people and... And at that time, I knew I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. Like, one of the things that I recognized right from the beginning is that I needed somebody just as passionate as I was to, um, to do this together, you know. So, um, and then I met William. William was a customer of mine at the time, buying fresh. And he's me.
0: watching right now, by the way.
1: He's watching right now, yes. Um, yeah, William was supposed to join us, but he, uh, he wasn't feeling well. So, he's, you know, he stayed in. Um, so so what William but, um, is your
0: business party? You're the you're the founder and CEO of pieces of the ocean, right? And um, William, William is the
1: president and COO. So both William, William and I are both hobbyists. I mean, that's first and foremost. You have to be hobbyists at heart. We're passionate. We love this thing as much as the next guy. Uh, but I think what we recognize, what I recognize in William was that he, he his background is in counting. Right, so I knew I needed somebody um, with a bit of a business sense, you know, um, and, and numbers, and those numbers to really make it happen. And plus, he's a hobbyist, so I think you have to be a to understand uh, how the business goes. So, you know, he was just as driven as I was through talking to each other. He was, he had a dream of, of owning, a, you know, a fish store one day. Um, and I had a dream, you know, basically I want to take it to the next level. So it just worked out well between us. And, um, so next thing you know, here we are, you know, we'll, we we'll, we'll found, we we'll find some help and, um, just do hard work, I think, I think I cannot overstate the fact that it took a lot of hard work. Just imagine taking care of one tank, but you had to build out a store and then we do all by ourselves. Um, so it took a lot of hard work and determination And finally we have this little not a big store. It's about a thousand square footage um, Not big and you know, here we are building building we continue to add more tanks to the store because uh, we do recognize I Mean of all the things happening in the world right now um, You know with the indoor band, with not just indoor band, but all these bands people are just like trying to Scrutinize the a hobby of what we're doing. Uh, we really have to focus on growing corals more than ever. That's how William and I feel. Um, you know, and that's only future for the hobby. You know, we have to grow our coral. That's why, you know, we, we, we're investing a lot of uh, resources into uh, growing corals right now. Um, and, you know, just to future-proof ourselves in case of any sort of, like, you know, world events that are going to come up again. You know, with the virus, with you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you guys know that that we can't even get fish in right now. Um, you know, I was in Newark last week, uh, picking up a box of not fish, uh, corals, and they told me there's three, three flights into the airport that day, more than they had the day before. Uh, that was in Newark, you know, in uh, in uh, New York tri-state. So um, it's just you know. The future is not predictable, and we just try to future-proof ourselves. You know.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I I think I think, yeah. I think uh, that is right on point. You know, when I first started the hobby 25 plus years ago, I'm an old timer here, but it was all um, you know, in terms of SPS, brought in wild pieces, and and uh, you started a reef tank not with frags. You started with like pretty much wild colonies or you know larger mariculture colonies, and and really it wasn't about um, you know the aquaculture wasn't big back then, but then it started to change, and uh, you know it, it's there, there's a um, it's it's a great thing that it has changed that way because it's it protects the oceans and the reefs and all that sort of thing, and and there are some operations out there that that uh, you know culture and, and raise uh, corals, you know in in the ocean, and that's that's great and that's sustainable, and you're not um, you know impacting the actual uh, you know live reefs that way but this this is where this hobby has been been at the last few years and that's where it's going to have to go down the road in the future i mean there's
1: no doubt about it yeah it's only natural especially you said you were, you came from 25 years ago right it's a lot harder to grow corals you got, uh, i think the technology has advanced so fast and so much it, it, there's no better time for us to really look into growing corals now uh, i mean you were one of the exceptions, but I'm, I'm pretty sure back then there was not that many people that could grow corals on a large scale um, in, in in a confined uh, captive environment, uh, in a captive tank, in, in, a, in a glass tank. Let me just be specific, in a glass tank. So, uh, but then right now, you know, the technology is there, and with the LED, you know, which has now been proven to grow corals. I think that was a huge debate uh, years back, and now there's no debate anymore, you know, and there's... Everything is at our disposal, and then the cost is going down. Despite what people think, I think the cost to acquire uh, the equipment uh, to um, to grow corals, I think, has gone down because the options right. is a lot more. You know, you right. have a more options, so you can really pick and choose what you want to go with. And um, uh, so, yeah. so,
0: Kenny, let uh, you you shot some video. You gave um, you um, passed along a video as a video tour of your store. So let's. Let's roll that and then uh, come back and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. But it kind of gives a, a really good perspective in terms of what you got going on down there right at uh, Pieces of the Ocean. So let's, um, let me go ahead and,
2: and run that and then we'll I'll we'll come back. Hi guys, welcome to Staten Island. My name's is Kenny, I'm here to give you a tour of our store at Pieces of the Ocean. And let's come inside. We're calling it closed due to the virus but We are shipping, as you guys well uh, A lot of you guys know So a little bit of a COVID-19 update here but Here it is This is our store, this is the front display tank And then here is the fish tank we put a lot of big fish in here Not that many fish right now um, As you guys know um, flights are not coming in So it's hard to get fish in But we do have... Um, Little races, lineales, kind of Rasis Lineatis, a little bouty sewing somewhere and a nice lineatis here. And this is our display tank. Let right. me put on the filter so you can see better. This tank we run uh, G5, Radeon G5s. And about almost two years, a year and a half old. Um, originally intended to be a mixed reef, but as you all well know, um, I'm an aqua, SPS type of guy, and SPS started doing really well on this tank and slowly converted to SPS, so yeah, we're doing really well with the G4 for over, for over a year of this uh, this tank, and then G5 came out, and we love the coverage, extra coverage on the G5. Um. but. I like lights, the SPS like lights. So we added two more T5s on the side to give it some uh, additional light on the side when the coral started to grow out a little more. All right, Come around here, here's our uh, ELOS. One's a the, the G4 hybrid from Aquatic Life. And just show you a little bit the, the boxes. We ship a lot, like, you, like I said. We not, we're not open to the public now. There's, another, there's a 120 gallon leaf ready. Uh, we we'll can just set up running to G4, ready G4. Right. And here's a little freezer. And here's the other side of the display. And for pumps, we have two gyros on this side and two MP40 on the other side. And that's what we have to flow and we run a vector uh, L1 for return, and we use the hydro wave engine from Coralview to control all four of our pumps. So all four of these pumps, despite that they're from different companies, they're all controlled by one controller. So that's pretty cool. The skimmer, the uh, so Vertex Alpha 250, and an the outer Scrubber, and our calcium reactor. So pretty basic stuff. We come around. Um, it's our fish systems. Not that many fish. Again, like I said, we do have uh, some clownfish, some storms, orange storms, snowstorm, and a little blue fish, and some inverts. And this side. And this is our main blowout out system. SPS. SPS. Right. And in the middle is the fan saw. We work on the fan saw. The reactor. In between each Top, we have a bandsaw so it's easier for the guys here to make frags mm-hmm. and work. Mm-hmm. And this is the LPS and ZOA system, and this is another LPS and ZOA system. These two systems are connected, and then everything else is by themselves. The SPS systems are all by themselves, independent, and these two systems are connected. Then here's the receiving tank. All the new corals when they get here, they sit here. All right, they get observed, they get dipped. Depending on the type of corals, they stay here longer or shorter. All right. So let's a look back at the store. Oh yeah, all the all these systems are running G4, right G4 except the SPS system running T5 ATI fixtures. And here's a lagoon. The lagoon is one of our um, everyone's favorite tanks here. Yeah. A lot of high end mushrooms and LPS, anemones, torch, and it runs a G5. Uh, next to this is another tank. Uh, this is going to be a uh, mixed reef. We don't know what it's going to be yet. We let the tank decide for themselves. We don't try to force it upon onto the system. All right. And this is the 30 um, gallon lagoon from uh, in the Marine. A lot of softies in here. And our office is behind the window. And over here, this is a Red sea Reefer 450. It's a fish system. Uh, we just uh, recently decided to convert it to reef also. All right. And this is the heart and bloodline of the store. Two RODI systems, one's uh, one 350 gallon per day, one's 400 gallon per day. And we run running simultaneously to feed the 200 gallon vat for RO. And then we use a mixing station, mixing pump, to bring water over to the other side for salt water. And, yep. Sorry, a little messy in the back of the store. Oh, forgot to mention, this is a hospital tank. So this hospital tank, we put all the sick fish in here, all the fish we have that are sick, that are not doing well, we treat it. Which would it uh, with based on the disease? Just a hang on back, nothing too fancy. And here's a look back at our store. Thank you. I think that's it. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you for watching. Annie, that
0: was one hell of a tour. All right. That that. Um, Thank you. We got a few things to talk about there because uh A, that's a big grow out system you got. You got a lot of um a lot of things going on there in terms of grow out, which is awesome. And um, you know, we're also talking about the LED lighting and, and the, the the radions that you have. Basically you have got gen fours and gen fives, right, that are yes. lighting your systems. Yes. So what what talk talk about the transition that you uh, you know well, not the transition. Talk, talk about your philosophy on, on lighting. Did, were you, did you start out with the um, T5s and then go to LEDs? Was that how you uh, kind of did the...
1: Uh... Yeah, so um, before the store opened, we were thinking about what lights to use. And um, we went with Radeon for all the LPS and Zoets. Uh We went with Radeon for the um, SPS Glowtub as well. But at that time, I think, we were thinking in terms of um, cost. Right. Uh, G5 was, uh, you know, gave us the type of coverage that, that we needed without spending a fortune. But on the display tank, uh, we used the G5, uh, G4 from the beginning. Um, and and then we just find that G4 was, the ability for it to bring out colors um, is definitely uh, greater. Uh, but the coverage is where it was lacking and I, I think LED in general had a, had a always had a shortcoming uh, that was coverage but I think Radeon, uh, egotech has been uh, especially the g5 when we threw on the g5 the whole room get got lit up um, the much coverage that it started to give but we still can't ignore the fact that um, the, 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 the light source still coming from uh, from the center uh, not coming from uh, you know uh, even like, a, like like, how T5 is uh, uh, throwing the light on a coral. Um, but there's no denying that Radion can definitely grow corals in our experience and bring out crazy colors. Um, I mean, before LED, I mean, after LED, we started to see a lot of crazy colors on uh, a lot of these uh, aqua corals. So um, yeah, I mean, there's no knocking I mean, I, I, I tried it all, I tried metal halide, you know, I, I, I in the basement, I had metal halite and Kessels. kessel group I actually had four Kessels on a 4x4 four four tray. Really? And it was, yeah, four Kessels on a 4x4 four four tray. Only four. And it was growing LPS. so was coloring them up like nothing, you know. Um, when it, on the uh, SPS system, I, had, I, I switched between T5 and halite. And at the end of the day, I switched back to T5 because halite was just too hot. You know, we we're working there without a shirt on and you know in the basement it's just not working out so uh but hey he like gave us great growth you know but at the end of the day we, we have to be comfortable working there
0: so you was, you, uh, you switch from um the g4s to the g5s what what have you noticed in terms of performance of the g5s versus the
1: g4s what, what's your impression there well the, the the first thing is is spread and coverage um I mean, we could clear. We had G4 on a um, 68 by 30-inch tank. The one behind me, right here. Uh, it's it's a peninsula peninsula slide style. And we have four G4 on it, and it was covering the tank, all right. I mean, there's no complaint in there. But once we do the G5 on it, we could see our growth uh, from the sides of the tank um, that was not there before, um, and Yeah, so I mean, I think the first thing people say, I think the first, our first experience with G5 was actually at Fred Farmers um, uh, in in Connecticut. Uh, We used it as a show light. And it was just tremendous the amount of spread that it gave us. You know, it was on the floor. People was like, the light is on the the light spillage all the way onto the floor. You know, so I think that's the biggest improvement uh, from G4 to G5. Um, At the end of the day, you know, if it grows corals, then, you know, Brings out colors. And that's what we care about. So the
0: other thing I noticed in all your tanks is that you have sand, right? You know, in terms of the uh, the display behind you, and and um, I think in, in a lot of the uh, the tanks in your shop, you have you have sand, and it, it also looked like you had a lot of dry rock that you had started with those tanks, right? Could yeah. So
1: we start off all the rock. We start off with uh, all dry rock. Um, so that's why. Um, a lot of system actually took a little longer than, uh, than usual to mature. And we added sand because sand, we, it's, it, in itself, sand is like a substrate. Uh, like live rock is a substrate for bacteria. So, um, you know, in our experience, having sand in the system just makes the system a lot more stable, uh, less prone to uh, issues, you know. Um, you say, especially when you have a new tank, Um, It's going to take a lot longer for the tank to cycle uh, without sand. That's just in our experience, um, you know, because, you know, again, sand itself can harbor a lot of bacteria. That's why we have sand. Also, it looks good. Looks great, you know, it looks more natural. Um, The only system that we don't have sand in is the ELO system. Um, We plan to have that tank start out as an SPS tank. We knew it was going to be an SPS tank. So let's just give it tons of flow and no sand. Uh, but it never turned out the way we want. Uh, you know, want to? Uh, we learn to let the system be, uh, become what it want to become. You know, if it wants to be a SPS reef, then let it be SPS reef. If it wants to be a mixed reef. We just watch how the corals respond to the system. Every system is different, even though it's taken care of by the same people. You know, getting the same exact water chain. You know, getting the same type of uh, parameters. Uh, at the end of the day, stuff still go out of whack. So we have to let the system um, come to us what want it wants.
0: So, in, in terms of starting the tank with, with uh, dry rock, what um, what do you do in terms of so? Let's say you, you have a customer that comes in and they want to start a uh, a reef tank, and you know, by and large, it's very difficult to find live rock out there, right? To uh, to seed a tank that most of the tanks out there now are, you start with dry rock. And, you know, so with the dry rock, you have the lack of biodiversity, right? And, and you need to seed it with uh, some sort of product some, to, to start the, uh, the whole cycle process. And it's, it's different, right? So when you start a tank with dry rock, it can take a little bit longer to get going with it versus starting a tank with live rock. And, you know, my one experience starting a tank with dry rock was that, uh, you know, I kind of had one problem after another with, uh, a, uh, you know, bacterial bloom, diatoms, um, dinos. I mean, you name it, man. It was like one thing after another. And eventually I just rebooted my tank because it was just, um, really stressing out the corals. So what do you say to people when they start a tank off with dry rock and, and what,
1: what's your advice there? Um, Get ready for a long haul. Yeah, uh, like, funny you mentioned that. I think we're not the only one. I mean, you're not the only with the issue. We had the same issue here when we first started the store. Uh, we started all with dry rock. Um, like you said, live rock is very hard to come by. Even if you do come by that, people don't buy live rock because uh, people are just you know afraid of pests. They just want to start with a clean slate on the system. So you know we started with dry rock, and like you said, it lacked any. It was sterile. You know, there's no bacteria. It took a long time for the bacterial population to develop. So, no matter how we dose the bacteria, you know, all the products on the market, um, at the end of the day, what helped us was by taking an established live rock from another reefer, yep. from a private guy that has a very old established tank. Um, you know, and we added just added in added those live rocks into the system, and that's when we started to see improvement. Um, I, I do want to say that that's, that's what we observed, but I wouldn't go as far as saying that is what the case is, um, because, you know, unless we're going to, uh, take a microscope and look down into the water and see what was going on, but generally that's been our experience. You know, I think I, I spoke to, um, uh, when we were having an issue with our system in, over here, uh, the ELO system, I actually emailed Mike Paletta. Um, uh, a lot of old-time, a lot of guys probably know Mike Paletta. He's uh, pretty active in the, in the reef hobby. And he, because I remember him saying in one of his videos saying that he had the same issue uh, with having dry rock, and he couldn't keep SPS. You know, we were, we we're having the same issue, like six months. After six months, you know, we couldn't get any SPS. I think at the end of the day, the system was not stable. Nutrient was not stable. Uh, you understand trace element has to correlate with nutrient. So when your nutrient level is not stable, doesn't matter how you chase that number, how you get things stabilized, your phosphates going up and down, your nitrates going up and down, and your alkalinity naturally going up and down, and um, system was not stable. So we, we I talked to Michael and he said, yeah. But then what he did was he picked two rocks from his other system that has been running for a long time, and put it in the system, and, and that kind of helped turning things around. And that's what I did, you know, we, we, we start calling our customers, friends. Do you have any spare live rock that, you know, you know got to clean and that we can use? So, yeah, that's what we did. And that's when things started to improve.
0: Yeah, I, I, I actually have some live rock in my um, leftover from my frag tank that I took out. And I've got it in a Rubbermaid right now with a power head. And I'm just keeping it alive in that Rubbermaid because I want to potentially start another tank. And I'd like to, like to have that rock to uh, seed that new ta- tank.
1: Make sure you feed that tank too. Don't just leave it running. What's that? Because eventually, make sure you feed that tank too. Yes. Yeah, got uh, to have waste in there for the bacteria to, to continue to grow. Um, because at the end of the day, if there's nothing uh, producing waste, I think the bacteria would, would take time to uh, develop again down the road. But if you feed a tank consistently, even if you drive up the phosphate and nitrate, that's all right. But eventually, uh, your bacteria will, will, will consume those type of uh, nutrient, assuming that you have nutrient. you know. Yeah. So,
0: uh, everybody, I want to apologize. There uh, seems to be some problems we're having on, on YouTube. I, I believe the live stream is still going, but I can't get in to see any comments. So um, if you have any questions, you can cer- you certainly leave comments in the, uh, you know, the video and we'll uh, try to answer them after the um, after the show. But uh, I think we're still on. I think uh, I, I can't see anything in terms of what's on YouTube. But uh, it seems like we have some folks that are watching here. But Kenny, let's also talk about some of the other stuff in um, in the video and, and what you believe in in terms of keeping, um, you know, coral and specifically SBS. You use um, uh, calcium reactors, have have you, uh, a reason why you use a calcium reactor versus two-part? Is it just more economical for you to have a calcium reactor at the store?
1: Yeah, um, it's just for the size of the system and the the, the demand that that we have. In the beginning, uh, we ran a calcium reactor, but we did not drive CO2 through the chamber. Um, And then we slowly ramped up the gas as we start to see consumption. Um, we see calcium reactor is just a, a oversized doser, you know, on steroids, on, uh, uh, you know, on steroid. It's constantly dosing 24 hours a day, um, but not just. That's only because we have larger system with larger consumption. You have a small tank with small consumption. Um, I mean, calcium reactor at the end of the day still keeps things stable. Even you can control. Uh, you can you can dose as little as you want by dialing down, the, the um, by controlling the gas, uh, CO2 gas, and the flow rate. Um, or you can, you know, dose as much as you want on a larger system. Um, every single system that we have here runs on um, uh, calcium reactor. Except for uh, a new system, we run two parts until the consumption uh, starts to uh, creep up. Then we throw a reactor on it.
0: Yeah. No, I've um, I've used both. I mean, I've I've used the um, the calcium reactor, and it's great because you can set it and forget it, and it's pretty cheap. You're just basically spending money on on the media that you're putting.
1: It. Which reactor are you using, Pete?
0: So I, I I don't I'm not using it currently. But remember those old MTC uh, Procal calcium reactors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were um, those were real real um, Workforce? Yeah, Marine Technical Concepts. I don't I don't think that company's around anymore, but that was like the go-to yeah. cashmere reactor for a lot of folks in our area, in the tri-state area. The guy was out in New Jersey, and um, yeah. that thing was just kick butt, and, and I, I loved using it. But uh, for the past few years, I've been using ESV two-part, and, you know, it's... Um, the great thing about using the two-part is you have a lot of um, control, so you can precisely dose, you know, the calcium, the alkalinity, depending on what's going on with your system. And I like that fact that it could give you that that much control and and you could really uh, target levels much easier than versus using a calcium reactor. But I have no issues using a calcium reactor. Those things are um, tried and true and and you can just grow corals and and they they can keep up with the demand. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Especially with uh, dosing pumps uh, advanced in uh, in this day and age, you have you have the Versa, you have, um, you know, all these advanced, uh, high-tech and pumps these days. So I, I think that's why 2 parts is still very popular. Um, in the store, we, we don't try to do things, um, you know, one-dimensional or just one way.
0: Nope, we lost Kenny for a second there.
1: Uh, he he's left he's back. You know, and all right yeah yeah we lost you there for a so second uh,
0: kenny so i i got our i got our uh comment feedback here we got a few people that are asking some questions here uh raul Mejia jr is saying what's up kenny and will hope all is well and good
1: and uh um, hey Raúl, what's up man i one of our good customers
0: yeah ah cool we um we also have uh, Walde Reef. He's got a question about a skimmer that's rated for 200 gallons and his tank is only 130 gallons. And he has 15 fish and he's wondering if his skimmer is, you know, he, th- he thinks the skimmer's not skimmer properly. And, and he thinks that um, it might be too big for his tank. This is something I've run into a lot myself people asking me about what's, you know, the right size skimmer for a tank. And it does depend on the, uh, on the bio load. So it, it, in terms of the fish, the corals don't necessarily add a lot to the bio load, But yeah, if you have an oversized skimmer for a tank, then it's going to skim inconsistently and not work optimally. And, and that, that actually happened to me. So I had to uh, downsize my skimmer to, um, to get better performance out of that. But uh, wh- yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? Have you run into that before?
1: You know, uh, speaking from experience, I used to tell uh, the customers, you know, always go for the bigger skimmer oversize it uh, because uh, most people tend to, at least the customers I've, I've spoken to, most people tend to overfeed and most people like to, um, the reality is a lot of customers, uh, they like to put as many fish as they can possibly put in the tank. So then that's why I tell them, you know what, it, just to prepare, you know, your uh, your future biolo, you should get a skimmer that as big as you can go, you know, so you don't have to worry about it later, like, oh, it's my skimmer undersized, you know. Um, but I think each system is different. Uh, I can't stress it enough. Even though you have a 20-gallon here, a 20-gallon there, even if you have the exact same amount of live rock, exact same amount of fish, no matter how hard you try to emulate the two tanks, at the end of the day, something's going to deviate. And, 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 you know, because, you know how sometimes, like, when you take out live rock and you get a diatom outbreak, cyano outbreak? So, we do that, the balance of the tank is off and then the skimmer is there to help pick up the slap, you know when you're that's why I say you always try to oversize, but that's not always the case. Um, like when you see your skimmer is not skimming well, uh, after I'm sure you check everything is running the air hole.
0: Oh, we lost Kenny again.
1: Um your system is you know, your, your routine of maintenance, the routine of taking care of this tank, renders this tank a lower nutrient than another tank, even though it has the same spec, but just because the way your lifestyle is, just the way you feed the tank, and just the way you treat the tank, just the way you do water change, all these different things contribute to the amount of nutrient that, that this tank produces, which in turn will affect how your skimmer will operate. So, um, it's a long answer, you know, like you can't really tell until you actually experience that you know, oh, it's too much, it's too big, or it's too small. But once you recognize it, make the make the adjustment, and your system should benefit from that.
0: So, Kitty, in, ter- in terms of talking about nutrients, what do you what do you ro- like to run your systems? You know, the SPS dominant systems at in terms of nitrates and phosphates. What um, what levels do you try to shoot for?
1: Yeah, so uh, we have two mainly two thriving systems here for SPS and they cannot be any more different. Uh, One is a display tag in the back. It's, it at at its highest, it had had uh, P-O-phosphate above one, at its highest. And the other system, it's about, it hovers about 0.03, 0.06, you know. Uh, They're both doing really well. Uh, One of them, the alkalinity is relatively lower. The lower nutrient, on 0.03, we keep it at 7.5. Alkalinity and the one behind me uh, with a higher nutrient, uh, we keep it around nine uh, for alkalinity, and they're both doing well. There's no algae in the tank, and honestly, we can not explain scientifically or or, you know why that is, Um, but we just know that they. We, uh, in, in my personal opinion, phosphate is actually overrated. Um, nitrate is overrated. Um, you need some of that in your system. Uh, stability is what is going to drive the key to success. Um, you know. I think.
0: Yeah, uh, that is that is a big important point to bring up is stability because if you start getting variability in, in anything, but you know especially alkalinity, right? I mean you want to keep that rock solid. So as soon as that starts like moving around, then you know the corals will let you know that they're not happy. But um, yeah, that's yeah. that's always the key in terms of the calcium, the alkalinity, the magnesium, nitrates, phosphates. Just uh, corals do not like a lot of
1: change quickly. They don't imagine them being in this ocean for millions of years. They they have you know evolved into such you know a long time. They definitely don't like that kind of change. And one thing I do want to add is uh, people think I, I think people think that the ocean, the corals come from, are very clean and pristine, uh, and that's actually not true. Uh, you know the the indoor corals, right? A lot of marine indoor corals that we receive, right? Uh, they actually, actually covered algae, All right. So when I receive those corals in. There's no way we could sell those corals. Nobody will buy those corals. Uh, back in you know, I would say when Indo was like open, everything was coming through, and you know they were covered in algae. Then I started taking pictures. You know, uh, looking at pictures of the of the supplier what they send me in the ocean where they cultured these corals, it's covering algae. And then you see this poor colorful pink coral in the middle of a of of of, 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 a, of a, a grassland. That's how. I think that's how much algae there is in the ocean. So, I think one thing is that a lot of times people have, um, have a tendency to keep their tank open, try to keep their tank too clean, and ignore the fact that. Yep. I don't think a lot of people talk about that a lot, Like right? The is not as pristine as we think where these corals come from. And they're actually very adaptable to changes, too. Yeah. Yep.
0: All right. Well, listen, Kenny. Man, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to keep you any longer. I really, really appreciate you being a uh, a, a guest on the show. Do you uh, Do you have any final thoughts for any folks out there?
1: Um. Well, first of all, thank you, Keith, for having me. Um, appreciate it, and thank you for allowing me to show people uh, the store, and um, and for um, well, those who are fortunate enough to still enjoy the hobby. Uh, you know, please continue to enjoy the hobby, um, grow corals. You know that's what we're trying to do, and um, stay safe. And we actually have an auction going on tonight. <laughs> don't mind me plugging my auction. No,
0: go <laughs> for it, man. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, have, I don't know what time it's going to start, but it's going to start later tonight. But uh, yeah, look forward to. Uh, you know, any questions? Just you can find us on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, shoot us an email. We set our website. And yeah, thank you, Keith. Appreciate you know having me on. And thank you, everybody.
0: Yeah, Kenny, man. Thanks again so much. It was awesome to uh, to talk to you, and and hopefully I'll see you sooner rather than later. You know, I mean, they're uh, I know they postponed uh, repo Palooza in, uh, yeah. in New Jersey in June to December, but uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you sooner than that. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to uh, thank. Uh, Kenny Lynn here for being my guest, and um, please tune in next Thursday at 7 p.m. for another episode of Wrapping with Reef Bomb. Until then, take it easy.